Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. I love as we celebrate those lives that uh, are committing their lives to Christ and uh, the, the, just the beautiful expression of that and the groups that were all around them and loving on them and celebrating with them. That's what God's family does. We're in this, we're in this together. And yet sometimes it's kind of hard to, to keep, keep going because we get impatient. In fact, studies show that we are getting increasingly impatient. We don't like to wait in traffic. We, we don't like waiting in a waiting room. We don't like waiting in line at Disney World. We prefer email over snail mail. And next day air is often not fast enough. In fact, Amazon and some other retailers are beginning to roll out same-day delivery. One study said that many of us are not willing to wait more than two seconds to download a video. And at 10 seconds, half of all people will stop watching. 10 seconds. I mean, even our microwaves take too long, don't they? Uh, Our lack of patience and the inability to delay gratification is the cause of most debt. When we're unwilling to wait until we can afford something, what do we do? We buy it on credit and therefore go into debt. Professor at the University of Massachusetts Amherst notes that someday people will be too impatient to conduct studies on patience. And yet waiting is an important part of life, even of of developing character. Some things we will only learn in waiting. That may be a surprise to some of you, but some things we will only learn in waiting. Perhaps the most frustrating of all circumstances is when we're in a hurry in our spiritual journey and God's not. We can rush our kids. We can rush our spouses maybe. Maybe not. But we can't rush God. And that's frustrating. Some of you right now are waiting on God for him to open a door for a job opportunity, to answer a prayer, to give you a new, new direction in life, to remove a pain, to heal a relationship, and nothing seems to be happening. But we need to remember that no is not, not yet. Why does God delay, especially since one of the things we believe about God is that he is all-powerful, he can do anything, It is within his power to answer every prayer instantly. And yet, one of the movies of a a further back that kind of, to me, gave a good picture of that, I think it was called Bruce Almighty. Remember, there was a place where he's getting all those prayer requests coming in, and they keep backing up, and he's he's trying to read them and figure them out. And after a while, he says, well, I'll I'll just say yes to all of them. You know, and like, everybody wins the lottery, but it's only $1.30, or or, you know, sometimes this person wants this and this person wants it and he gives it to both of them and it creates havoc. And we know that would be true. Your kids want some things that you don't want them to have. And so if both of you get what you want, that's not going to go so well. 
So sometimes the answer is not yet. And we don't want to turn God into a vending machine. And sometimes God has to work on us before he provides his solution. And Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, God does everything just right and on time. But people can never completely understand what he is doing. We forget this. If we understood everything was, God was doing, hey, you know what that would mean? We'd be God. In fact, that was the temptation of, of the serpent to Eve in the garden, to be like God, to, do, to know everything, to get it all figured out. But God is God, and I'm not, and shocker, neither are you. Some of you. Some of you know that well. Some of you are not so sure. and Some of you have spouses and friends who are pretty sure you don't know that. But it's important. And so I, because I'm not God, therefore, I cannot always understand what, when Scripture says what God is doing is just right or on time. I, I, I can't figure that all out. I can't work out all the details. And so this morning, as we enter our final week of Daring Faith small group meetings, I, I want us to look at what we need to do when we're waiting on God. Waiting is as, as much faith as taking the initiative and doing something. Sometimes it's, in fact, more faith. So I want to look at five things we need to remember while we're waiting on God. First, and this kind of this is really just building on last week, so I'm not going to spend much time on it. Remember that there's a natural delay between planting and harvesting. Ecclesiastes 3 says, for everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to plant, and a time to harvest. In other words, there are different seasons to plant and different seasons to harvest. And the key point here is that I reap in a different season than when I sow. I don't plant and immediately sow. It takes time. There is always a delay. Second, we need to remember there is an unseen battle going on. Now, the Bible tells us there's a spiritual war going on in the supernatural realm. We're in the natural realm. That's what you and I see, hear, feel, touch, that's what we, we basically know. But in the supernatural realm, the Bible tells us there is a war going on between good and evil, between God and Satan, between demons and angels. And the fact of the matter is that we are caught in the middle of it. We are pawns, if you will. Because while Satan cannot hurt God, Satan knows that God loves every single one of us who are created. He loves you. He made you. God, God loves you. And so if I can't get to God direct, I'll get to God through those he loves. And so he seeks to wreak havoc in your life and in mine. He tries to create doubts and discouragement and, and disappointments. The Bible reminds us we are not fighting against human beings, but against the wicked spiritual forces in the heavenly world, the rulers, authorities, and cosmic powers of this age. And that means that when you and I choose to act in faith, recognizing, yes, that there is a natural delay between planting and harvesting, it gives Satan a natural place to work, a natural place to mess up the plan, to create doubts, to create discouragement, disappointment to try to get us down, and 
For a lot of us, we know he's been successful. The truth is we really don't know very much about the spiritual warfare that's going on. The Bible doesn't tell us a whole lot. We have a couple of pictures, a little bit in Daniel, a little bit in Revelation that gives us some insights about it. Uh, And in Daniel in particular, there's an interesting, chapter 10, an interesting case where Daniel has a vision of an angel coming to him. And the angel said to Daniel, God loves you. Don't be afraid. God has heard your prayers ever since the first day you decided to humble yourself in order to gain understanding. I have come in answer to your prayer. The angel prince, this is an evil prince, of the kingdom of Persia opposed me for 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief angels, or archangels as some translations put it, came to help me because I have been left there alone in Persia. I mean, that's, that's really kind of wild. For some of you, you're, you're thinking, doo, 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 you know, what's he talking about? But, but this is what the Bible tells us. And those of us who are people of faith believe that God's word in, in, brings us truth. And here we have Daniel reporting a conversation he had in this vision. He offers up this prayer. It's not immediately answered. In fact, for 21 days, because an evil angel connected to the king, uh, kingdom of Persia uh, and today we would call that Iran, is battling against it. Now, in the midst of that, you can imagine, he's been praying, he's been hoping, he's starting to get discouraged. And so in this case, God sends an angel to help explain. The angel says, the prayer was heard immediately. It was heard on day one. But a, a, a huge battle ensued so intense that this angel himself was not sufficient and had to bring in Michael, the archangel, in order to come and help to deliver the message. Now, let me just tell you, I can't explain all this to you. These are about things in the supernatural realm that in this day and time, we're not there. When we pass from this life into the next, yes, we will see those things. But today, we go by what the Bible tells us, what it, it informs us about this, and it gives us insight here into why sometimes the answers to our prayers are delayed. But here's the thing. A delay is not a denial. It doesn't mean it won't be answered. But there may be a spiritual battle going on that is causing a delay. So we keep praying and waiting. Third, we need to remember God may be preparing me for a bigger blessing. A lot of times when we, when we ask God to do something in our lives, we think this is wonderful or it's something good or it's something we need. God puts the brakes on because God has a bigger and better plan. But he's got to prepare us, us in order to receive it, in order to act on it. God's ultimate purpose, too, we need to remember, is not to give us everything we want. It's not to be Santa Claus. His purpose is to transform our character into the, increasingly into the likeness and nature of Jesus Christ. And so even more than answering our questions, he is concerned about our character, which is the only thing we're going to take with us to heaven. So it says in 1 Peter, there, there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. Trials may include 
delays. And in fact, the key point here is that waiting is always a test. It's a test. Do I trust God or do I want to take things into my own hands? Do I believe that he is all-powerful and that he can do this? Do I believe that his plan is best? And a lot of us have to ask ourselves, do I truly believe that? Because we say we trust him. We say he is Lord of our lives. And yet, we take things in our own hands. We don't necessarily trust him. And if we don't trust him, we're not going to experience what he can do. Why, when you're waiting, it is an opportunity God gives you. He tests your character. He tests whether you trust, whether you have faith, whether you believe, whether you can endure. And Peter says these tests prove that your faith is the real deal and not just talk. The very fact that waiting is hard really is kind of the point, a way of purifying your faith to see, do we mean it? Or am I just using God when he, it's convenient for me? Am I gonna wait? It's hard. Or I need to remember I'm in good company when I'm waiting on God. In other words, if you're waiting right now, you're not the first person to ever have to wait. Millions of Christ followers have gone before you who have waited, as well as many, many millions around you today. If you're waiting on something right now, odds are within about 10 feet of you, there's somebody else also waiting on something, or even less. The Bible says through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. We read about Hannah in 1 Samuel who had to wait years to have a baby that she was praying that God would, would give to her. We read about Joseph. Here was a guy who God gave him a dream in his, in his young adult years, in his teens, that, that he would be this great man that, that others, including his brothers, would bow down to him. And yet what happens? He gets sold into slavery. Uh, he gets taken to Egypt. While there, he gets, after he gets taken out of jail and has an opportunity to serve in the house of Potiphar, and when he doesn't, doesn't respond well to the, to the, the, the wife's uh, coming on to him, she, she scorns him, gets him sent back to jail another 14 years. 14 years waiting, but God knew what he was doing. Moses, who, who led the Hebrew people through the wilderness for 40 years, waiting on God to show them the way forward at the right time. Noah, uh, he, he had to wait 120 years after God told him to build the ark. And then here he is building the ark, building this huge place, this huge building, far from, far from any seashore. And all of a sudden, you know, you, you can just imagine his friends coming, hey, hey, buddy, what are you building? You know, that doesn't fit into the HOA rules. You might need to take that down. And he says, no, God told me. For 120 years. That's longer than any in this, anybody in this room, as far as I can tell, has lived. He was waiting. Or Abraham, the age of 90, receives a promise from God that he is going to have a son. In fact, he will have so many heirs that you, 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 you can't count them like the stars in the sky or the grains of sand on the sea. And so... One year goes by, no kid. Two years, three years, five years, no kid. 95, he's not getting any younger. 
And his wife is already past the age where she can have children. Finally, 10 years later, it happens. The Bible says, after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. I mean, these are some of the the great names of faith in the Old Testament. And, And what happened? They had to wait. It was, it was part and parcel. They had to wait, many of them, much longer than any of us have ever even imagined waiting. And God waited a long time before finally sending his son Jesus, the Messiah. But the, but the Bible tells us that the time he picked perfectly fit God's plan. In Galatians 4, Paul writes, when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law, God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. We we don't know exactly why God sent Jesus at that point versus sending him 100 years earlier or 1,000 years earlier or 100 years later or 1,000 years later. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. It tells us, though, it was the right time According to God's plan. It was God's right time. We get in a hurry, but God has a plan that has seen his most cherished saints wait. So why should it be any different for us? And fifth, we need to remember that God always keeps his promises. When you're waiting on God, you can count on him to come through, unlike any of the rest of us. Uh, and, and the Bible, some have looked at the Bible and said, by some counts, there are 7,000 or, or more promises that God has made to us. Uh, Gina, on our staff a while back, shared with us uh, a book that's out on the public domain called Clark's Scripture Promises. It's, uh, it was written about a century ago. It's in the public domain. And uh, I, I put it on our website, on the Find It page, if you're interested in downloading. It's free. You don't have to do it. But it's about 120 pages under a lot of different categories. It is in the King James, so it may be a little challenge for some to read. But it, it's all these promises in all these different categories. And, and it's a great, something like that, if you're, if you're struggling, if you're wondering, to pull up these promises and start reading what God is promising. He is saying. So we don't then focus on what we don't have or what we can't yet see or what we can't do, but focus on God and what he does and what he can do. One of the ways we do that is is through the promises of God that help us focus on him. You know, when I focus on me, everything gets big and the time seems forever. When I turn to God and I look to God, all my issues and concerns shrink. And I see that he is a big God, even though I am very limited. In Habakkuk, it says, the Lord says, at the time I have decided, my words will come true. You can trust what I say about the future. It may take a long time, but keep on waiting. It will happen. I mean, that's worth, that's worth putting on your mirror at home. It will happen. You can trust God is saying that to you and me today. It is going to happen. Regardless of how long it takes, the promises he makes are going to come to pass. So those are things we need to remember. But 
But there are also some things that we need to do while we're waiting. First, we ought to write down the lessons we're learning. I mean, I mean when we're waiting, God wants us to listen. He wants us to learn some things. God is more interested in, in our character than our comfort, and waiting is a great time to teach us these things if we're paying attention. But we're in danger of forgetting them if we don't write them down. And if you forget, what's going to happen? God's going to, odds are, take you through it again until you do remember. And so if you don't want to keep learning the lesson over and over, write it down and learn. Yet some know, have experienced, that failing to learn ends up repeating it over and over again. So write it down. Moses, as he led the Hebrews out of Egypt across the wilderness to the southern edge of the promised land, about two years in on that journey, could have done it quicker, but he followed God's leading. And at that point then, he sent 12 spies into the promised land. 10 of them returned and said, it's, it's amazing, but the, 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 the enemies are too big and their armaments, their fortresses are too strong and, and we, there, we, there's no way we can do it. Only two of them, Caleb and Joshua, said, oh, it, it is true that there's a lot there, but our God is able. And if he has brought us through the Red Sea, if he has brought us to, to enable us to overcome all those uh, uh, plagues that, and not affect us, if he's able to feed us every day in the wilderness with manna and bring water out of a rock, surely God can do this. But the people took to heart what the 10 said in verses of the two. And so God circled them back into the wilderness. And they wandered there for 40 years, facing one test after another, until that older generation died off. The younger one then stepped up, hopefully learning their lesson and stepping out in faith. The wilderness served as a place to refine and prepare them to trust God because they weren't willing to initially. You know, waiting in the wilderness often has a purpose in our lives. A wilderness, yes, it's a, it's a physical description, but you can also be going through a wilderness in your life where things aren't, nothing seems to be happening and nothing seems to be changing and, and you seem like you're kind of treading ground. And, and God can take those times and teach us because the way to the promised land is through, usually, a wilderness. We can't get to the promised land without going through a desert, which is often a waiting period where God can teach us some things. So, so write down what you're learning so you don't repeat it. In Numbers 32, 33, it says, at the Lord's direction, at the Lord's direction, in other words, God said, you do this, Moses kept a written record of their progress. This was a command that God gave Moses why? Because we forget, and we need instruments, we need tools to help us. Why do we celebrate Christmas every year? Why do we celebrate Easter every year? Because we forget the great things God has done. We need to relive those experiences in our lives. We need to remember. And when you're writing stuff down, keep a journal where you write your lessons down. Now, I'm not talking about a diary. A diary is where you record what you do all the time. A journal is where you record when you learn something. When God has revealed something to you, when he's taught you something, when you've experienced something, so that in the waiting periods of your life, you can be learning, and those little successes can lead to big successes. 
says in Deuteronomy 11, remember today what you have learned about the Lord through your experiences with him. In fact, a line in Psalm 119 is a, a great prayer for us. God, teach me lessons for living so I can stay the course. Teach me. Ask God when you're in a wilderness, when you're waiting for an answer, to teach you lessons so that you can learn them and spend less time wandering in the wilderness. Two, you can also use the time to grow yourself spiritually. It would be easy to do nothing. It'd be easy to sit around and twiddle my thumbs, you know? I'm waiting on God. Surely he's going to answer. Why should I do anything else while I'm in the midst of it? Or, or even I may just even worry about it or whine about it. But those things don't help, and they certainly don't grow us in faith. We must use the time intentionally to know God better, to grow deeper in our faith. In Hebrews 6, it says, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Look to those who've gone through times of testing, of waiting, and still grown, and imitate what they're doing. In Philippians 4.9, it says, keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Paul's writing that. He, he, he says, I've shown you some things. Don't just discard them. Use them. Look around you. Look around you. Find a Christian who has been on the journey a while, who's seen a lot. See what they're doing, how they're going through it. How can you imitate them in that process? Several places in the Bible talks about us doing that, finding models, finding mentors. We don't grow in faith by complaining, but by seeking those people and stories that model how God wants us to live, how he wants us to go forward. And so when you're in the waiting room, a key point is I don't put my life on hold. There is a lot I can still be doing because waiting is not inactivity, it's not idleness, it's not laziness, it's not passivity, it's not apathy. Waiting is the opportunity to develop habits and skills of faith that you'll continue to use as you go forward. Here's some practices that, that you, in fact, should keep doing. Praying. Keep on praying. Jesus said, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. Now, some, some translations of that say, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. But what's interesting is if you dig into the, the original Greek language here, the Greek language is not the sense of doing this once. The Greek language has a sense of ongoing. And so the New Living Translation here really has it accurate. Keep on asking. In other words, don't just ask once. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking and not stopping. In Daring Faith, many of you began daily times of reading God's Word. And that is so cool and so grateful for that, so excited for you. You had time to reflect on the devotion, write out some thoughts and a prayer. Here's what I'm going to tell you. We're, we're coming down to the last week of readings. Don't stop. You, God has started a good work in you. Go through it again. Find another one. Our, our Next Steps resources out there. We used, to, we used to call it our ministry booth, but now we're trying to just be more intentional about thinking about how can we help you take a next step? Not 10 steps down. None of us can think that far out. But what is a next step? That's what we're 
why we're rebranding that out there, next steps to help you take the next step. What is it? For some of you who have started reading for the first time, it's finding other tools or resources to read. Maybe it's something out there. Maybe it's just going to the YouVersion Bible app. It has reading plans. And start, start. Don't stop what you've been doing. Keep on praying and reading and spending time with God. Next, keep on serving. It says in Romans 12, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Serving sharpens your skills as you keep on doing it. And here's the thing about serving. In serving, you never know when God is going to open a door and show you something. You never know when someone you're serving, like somebody serving in children's area, is going to do something. And and God is going to take one of those little blessed children, and they're going to say something to you, and you're going to think, oh my gosh, that was God speaking. Some of you have told me about those experiences. In the midst of serving, you learn and experience some things you will not get anywhere else. And God has you in a place where, where it is good to do. But here's the thing. Some of you want to serve big. You want to do the big stuff. You want to, you, you're not necessarily willing to do the little things. But you're not going to get very far serving God if you're limiting where it is you can serve. I gotta, I've been at this a long time, God, so really, I, I don't know that I need to start at the bottom. Let me tell you, sometimes God wants all of us to start at the bottom. I, I mean, I've got, a, I've got a, a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, and, and lead a church, and there's still times when I clean toilets, okay? You do what you gotta do. Serving is not about saying, I'm above that. Serving is saying, God, what do you want me to do? And no, you may not want me to do it six months from now, but today, what do you want me to do? And I take that step. And it may be something little. It may be something behind the scenes. Nobody may ever see it except God. But I guarantee you, God will use it. And too many of us, we're trying to think, how can I do something that gets me noticed? Or how can I get the attaboys? No. If you think that, that is, that is Satan telling you a story. The Bible says sometimes we give in ways that nobody even sees us give because that's how he wants it, because your Father in heaven sees. Your Father in heaven sees when you serve. Your Father in heaven, and he will teach you and show you things serving while you're waiting because it demonstrates faithfulness and humility. And third, keep on going to a group, to a small group. In Hebrews 10, it says, some people have gotten out of the habit of meeting for worship. But we must not do that. We should keep on encouraging each other. And and while it's talking about a large gathering like this, that there's importance to that, it's also talking about small groups. And, And some of you have become part of a Daring Faith small group and maybe haven't been in one of those before. And you've attended the last several weeks, and, and now your group, this is the last week maybe you're scheduled to meet. Some of your groups are maybe going to end. Some of ours are choosing to go on to do some more things, and that's fantastic. If your group is not going on, and you know that you need to continue connecting with other Christ followers, then come talk to us out here in Next Steps and find another group. We're going to start some other groups right after Easter. Because you and I need that community together. We need that. 
You think about it. If you go to a restaurant and the meal's not good, do you swear off all restaurants from there on? I'm never going to eat at a restaurant again because I ate at McDonald's and I didn't like it. Well, there might be some other choices out there that you just haven't found. And maybe God took you through a challenge to grow you. Who knows? But don't get out of the habit of meeting in a group. And then finally this morning, the third thing we can do is trust God instead of panicking. Here are a couple of truths that you can trust about God. First, God is never in a hurry the way you and I are. And second, he's never late. His timing is perfect. Now, you may not think it's perfect. You may be thinking, God... Come on now, God. But what happens in those times when it appears that God's late? He may be preparing you for an amazing work in his life. One time, Jesus received word from Martha and Mary that their brother Lazarus, a dear friend of Jesus, was very sick, might die if Jesus didn't come right away and heal him. And that's what they knew. They had seen Jesus heal before. They knew that he could do that. But instead of coming immediately, Jesus does something very curious. You can find this in the scripture in John chapter 11. It says he intentionally waited. He said, I'm not going. Yeah, I know he's sick. But he says God's going to use this delay to reveal his glory. His disciples question him about this, and he explains. Lazarus is dead, and for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Now, they still... That, for them, right now, this is still going over their head. What do you mean? You will really believe. And when they arrived, Mary and Martha, man, they immediately, they accost Jesus. Why didn't you come? You could have healed him, Jesus. Why didn't you do this? They'd seen him healing. They knew this was within his ability to do. But Jesus had a bigger miracle in mind, a miracle that hadn't even crossed their minds to do something they had never seen before, they had never heard of, to raise Lazarus after four days from the dead. Now tell me if that ain't a big one. I've done a lot of funerals. I've yet to have one of those bodies pop up with the open ca when the casket's opened. That's a big deal. Sometimes God allows a situation to get worse so that only a miracle will do. And it's then that God's glory shows. If, if we can fix it. A lot of people look to us and say, look what he, he did. But I guarantee you, there ain't no way I'm raising somebody from the dead. And if it happens... You're going to know. Hey, Randy didn't do that. We know Randy. Randy couldn't have done that. So there's something else going on here. There is a God who is more powerful than the grave. And that message came through loud and clear when Jesus allowed his followers and him to wait. Sometimes he allows situations to get worse for the sake of a miracle. Don't give up your faith. Hold on and do the things that we've talked about this morning. 
Jesus knew exactly what he was going to do with Lazarus. And God always knows what he is going to do, what he wants to do in your life if you will trust him, if you will stay the course, and if at times, if you will simply wait upon the Lord. He has a good plan, and it is a plan for good. And we've got to trust him and relax and recognize that, yes, we're waiting. I'm not God, I don't have control. I can't fix this, I can't make it happen. I'm gonna wait on him. And remember, God is never early nor late. He is always on time. So while I'm waiting, I write down what I'm learning. I use the time to grow spiritually and I trust God instead of panicking. Psalm 56 says, even when I am afraid, I keep on trusting him. Some of you are afraid today. Some of you are afraid about some decisions. Some of you are afraid about the next steps. Some of you just, there's just a general sense of fear. The Bible says, keep on trusting him. Some of you think you have been waiting on God. Here's the thing. In many cases, God is waiting on you. You think you're waiting on him, but you're really waiting for the fear to go away so that you can act. You're waiting for things to change. I'm gonna wait for the fear to go away and then I'll commit. Or then I'll go after my dream. Or then I'll start tithing. Or then I'll serve. Or then I'll take whatever that next step of daring faith is. But here's the thing, your fear is not gonna go away like that. It's not magic. It doesn't just simply disappear. God's not going to take it away. God is going to take you through it. He's going to walk you through it. That's the only way you will get through your fear. You have to move through it and do the thing you do fear. I'm not saying this lightly. I'm not saying that's easy. I battle fears in my life. I've come to realize in the middle part of my life that that fear makes up a bigger component of the choices I make than I ever wanted to admit. So this is not some lightweight stuff. Many of you, though, have shared about ways that God has worked through you in spite of fear to do things in these weeks of daring faith. Amazing stories, and we're gonna be sharing some of those in a couple of weeks in our celebration. You've told us that you've stepped out in faith to, to make new commitments to make new connections and experiences with others, new decisions to serve, and new opportunities to share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. I want to tell you, doubt and fear will always be there. They, 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 don't, they don't go away. They're, they're too good an instrument for the devil to use. But with confidence, you can discover, and some of you are discovering, that God is trustworthy and he is faithful he calls us to live daring faith daring faith in galatians 6 9 it says so let us not get tired of doing what is good at just the right time we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up some of you have wanted to give up some of you are tired. You've been through a lot. 
God knows you've been through a lot more than many of us can imagine. The word for you this morning from Scripture is don't give up. Keep the faith. Trust him. Even as you're waiting, even as it hurts, keep on keeping on, and he will see you through. If you need to talk to somebody, our prayer team will be out on the corners here. They would love to talk with you about that. Uh, An opportunity to live faith is communion. And we'll start that in just a very few minutes after the service. If you have children, invite you to go pick them up first and bring them back. And come and sit, if you would, on the bottom sections, if you will. Um, And we will be serving communion in just a few moments. And if you're a guest today or someone who came or Gateway Family, you brought someone, uh, I'll be out here and with some others of our folks and we'd love to meet them as well. Join me in prayer before we end. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are good, that you love us, and that you have incredible plans for our lives that sometimes cause us to get to points where we have to wait. Get to points where we don't know the next step. Get to points to, for something to happen. And sometimes it's, it's our own fear and doubt that drives that. Father, help us to trust you more. Help us to, to tr- remember all the things you promise us in the midst of waiting. And help us to do the things that will continue us in growing while we wait until you are ready, until your perfect time when you will reveal your next step for us. And Father, we will trust you that because you are God and we are not, because you know all things, because you created us, because you loved us so much that you sent your son Jesus to die for us, you have a good plan. You are a good, good father. And we, in spite of how we may feel, we make the decision, the choice, to trust you and walk in faith. We pray, we ask that this would be a reflection of our lives through Jesus. Amen. To learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.